0: Entertainment, the podcast dedicated to public domain and abandoned media. I'm your host, Christopher, and with me is someone who once ran out of Duluth. Maybe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure they ran me out. <laughs> How's it going, Christopher?
0: Hi, Lydia. How are you? I'm well. Good. I'm uh, very excited to talk to you again. we got another f- interesting film to discuss to the, uh, this month. Before we start doing that, though, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. And for anyone who hasn't already, just to let you know that you can listen and subscribe to this show by visiting Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, or Google Play. And I encourage you to please rate and review us at any of those outlets. You can also just search for us in the podcast app of your choice, and you will know, we'll most likely come up somewhere. You can join our Facebook group. Just search for Orphan Entertainment on Facebook.com. Uh, still new members joining. Uh, at least, you know, we're getting like one a week. And I'm, that We had a really big rush of a bunch of new members, and then we it's kind of died down a little bit, but we still get like a new member every week or two, so it's really exciting. If you'd like to email us with any comments, suggestions, or feedback on this or any other episode, please type or record a message and send it to orphanedentertainment at gmail.com. We have a YouTube channel that you can subscribe to. Just search for Orphan Entertainment over there. And there you can watch many of the films that we've covered here on the podcast, as well as know a little in advance what film we're going to be covering next. And all of these links can be found on our webpage at orphanedentertainment.com. So that's all the house cleaning. That's the, that's the kind of the important stuff to start the show. So let's go ahead and listen to another five-minute mystery and a promo for another entertaining podcast. And when we return, we'll cozy up next to the stove and discuss 1929's high voltage.
2: Another five minute mystery. Constable I've got some mighty unpleasant news for you, Mr. Byrne. Carter Hogue, the high school principal, has been murdered What? I'll have to ask you to come down to the office for a few minutes Uh, I'd like to ask you some questions Of course, Constable, I'll be right over Constable, this is all a tremendous shock to me Not only was Carter Hogue my colleague at the school, but one of my best friends as well I know, Mr. Byrne. It's been a shock to us all How did it happen? As far as I know, someone crept in through the window of Hoag's house and struck him over the head as he sat in his study. Any clues? Not a one. What I wanted to ask you was if you have any ideas as to who could have had a motive for killing him. The only thing I can think of is the threat made by Daryl Lewis's father when he found out that Carter had hit his son. Ah, you heard about that. It's bad business hitting that boy. I was there when it happened. The boy provoked the incident by his surly behavior, but it was unfortunate that Carter lost his temper. Well, that's the only clue I have, so I called Mr. Lewis on the phone right after you. You ought to be here any minute. Well, this all seems like a horrible dream, Constable. You can count on me to help in any way I can. Thank you, Mr. Barron. I will. Come in. Good evening, Constable. I'm Darrell Lewis's father. Well, come in, please. Any idea why I sent for you? Eh, yeah, a little. You must have heard about the threat I made to the principal when I found out he hit my kid. Uh, that was a dangerous thing to say. I lost my head. Hogue had no right to lay a hand on my kid. Mr. Lewis, Carter Hogue is dead. Murdered. Dead? Now, 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 see here. I know what you're thinking, but and you're dead wrong. I'm innocent. You're protesting your innocence rather loudly, Mr. Lewis. Now, look here, Mr. Baron. I'm not the polished gentleman you are, but I can still protect my rights. Doesn't look good for you, my friend. When you threaten to kill a man and then two days later he's murdered, it's more than coincidence. You better close your mouth, teacher, or I'll do it for you. And perhaps I'd better. I don't want to have you sneaking up on me and smashing in my skull with a bookend like you did to poor Carter Hogue. Why, you... Easy there, Mr. Lewis, easy. you stop this cross-examining, Baron. There'll be plenty of time for it in the courtroom at your trial. What? You killed Carter Hogue, and I can prove it. How does Constable Ed Chepers know that Sam Barron is the murderer of Carter Hogue? In just a moment, we'll know, but first...
3: Hello. This is Rod Barnett, the host of The Bloody Pit, the podcast about eclectic film from across the decade. On The Bloody Pit, we've covered Godzilla movies, Doctor Who movies starring Peter Cushing, The Outer Limits, Fu Manchu, Doc Savage, old radio shows, my favorite movies of all time, a Lucio Fulci film or two. 1970s science fiction movies and a long series on the films of italian maestro antonio margariti so if you're curious to learn a little bit about some of the stranger areas of cult film and television join me and my rotating group of co-hosts on the bloody pit you might even learn something about coffin joe And that's scary, people. Very scary.
2: And now, back to our story. Unfortunately for you, Mr. Barron, in your attempt to pin the murder on Mr. Lewis here, you became too dramatic in describing the scene and the action. How did you know that Hogue had been struck with a bookend? I didn't tell you, and you hadn't seen the body. Only the man who committed the murder could have known what the weapon was. You protested Mr. Lewis's guilt too loudly, Mr. Barron. You only proved him innocent.
0: Welcome back. High Voltage was produced by Pathé and directed by Howard Higgin. I think that's how you say Pathé. It was Pathé Pictures or Pathé something or Looks like or other. Pathé
1: to me. They're still around. Yes. So when it opened up and it showed that, I was so surprised. I thought, I thought this was a new company. Nope, they've been around forever.
0: <laughs> I don't think this is the first film from Pathé that we've covered. I, I don't know... We've seen it once or twice before. I'm not, I'm not sure which film it is, but I think if we, if we actually had this conversation about how to pronounce it. So.
1: <laughs> we get that recycle happening every couple of years. Oh, it's Pathé. I didn't know that was around. <laughs>
0: yeah. The film was directed by Howard Higgins. The film stars William Boyd, Diane Ellis, Owen Moore, Philip Smalley, Billy Bevan, and Carol Lombard in her feature-length talkie debut. <laughs> Now, we've watched Carol Lombard once before when we discussed the 1937 comedy Nothing Sacred, which we really enjoyed and we enjoyed did. her in it. And I'm pretty sure we talked a bit about her then. So let's look at a couple of her co-stars here, starting with William Boyd. Boyd's breakout role was as Jack Moreland in Cecil B. DeMille's The Road to Yesterday in 1925. His performance in the film was praised by critics and moviegoers, and both were impressed by his easy charm, charisma, and good looks. DeMille soon cast him as the leading man in a highly acclaimed silent drama film, The Volga Boatman. His performance blew critics away and firmly established him as a matinee idol and a leading man. He acted in DeMille's The King of Kings, in which he played Simon of Serene, helping Jesus carry the cross, and DeMille's skyscraper in nineteen twenty eight. He then appeared in D.W. Griffith's Lady of the Pavements in twenty nine. Now this is a bit of bad luck for Mr. Boyd. Radio Pictures ended his contract in nineteen thirty one when his picture was mistakenly run in a newspaper story about the arrest of another actor, William quote unquote Stage oh. Boyd, on gambling and liquor charges. Oh, no. Although the newspaper apologized, explaining the mistake in the following day's newspaper, Boyd said the damage was already done. And this, for years, he was credited, er, and because of this, for years after, he was credited in films as Bill Boyd to prevent being mistaken for the other William Boyd. In 1935, Boyd was offered the supporting role of Red Connors in the movie Hop Along Cassidy, but he asked to be considered for the title role and won it now the original character of hop along cassidy which was written by clarence mulford for pulp magazines was changed for the film from a hard-drinking rough-living red-headed wrangler to a cowboy hero who did not smoke swear or drink alcohol and who always let the bad guys start the fight the films were a little bit more polished and impressive than the usual low-budget westerns Uh, big city theaters which usually what usually wouldn't play Westerns, noticed the, the better quality of the productions and gave the series a little bit more exposure than uh, most other cowboy films. Paramount Pictures released the films through 1941, and then United Artists produced them from 1943. Now, in that time, 54 Hopalong Cassidy films <laughs> between those two studios, and all produced by Harry Pop Sherman, Let's see, I think it was about nineteen, yeah, 1943 or so, uh, Mr. Sherman wanted to make more ambitious epics and abandoned the Hopalong Cassidy franchise. William Boyd, determined to keep it alive, produced the last 12 Cassidy feature films on a somewhat lower budget. But unfortunately, by this time, the character's popularity was waning, and Hopalong Cassidy saddled up for the last time in 1948. But 66 films in a little over a decade. That's crazy. That's
1: amazing. And a household name. Everybody's heard of it.
0: William Boyd insisted on buying the rights to all the Hopalong Cassidy films. Harry Sherman no longer cared about the property. So Boyd sold and mortgaged almost everything he owned to meet Sherman's price of $350,000 for the rights in the film backlog. In forty-eight, Boyd, now regarded as kind of a washed-up cowboy star, brought a print of one of his older pictures to the local NBC television station and offered it at a nominal rental, hoping for a, little new, uh, for a little new exposure. The film was received so well that NBC asked for more, and within months, Boyd released the entire library to the national network. They became extremely popular and began running, and began the long-running genre of westerns on televisions. Boyd's desperate gamble paid off, making him the first national TV star. Like Roy Rogers and Gene Autry, Boyd licensed merchandise, including such products products as Hopalong Cassidy watches, trash cans, cups, dishes, trading cards, comic strip, comic books, cowboy outfits, home movie digest of the the movies, and a new Hopalong Cassidy radio show, which ran from 48 to 52. The actor refused to license his name for products he viewed as unsuitable or dangerous and turned down personal appearances appearances at which his quote unquote friends, as he called his young fans, would be charged admission. He turned into a really cool guy. I mean yeah, 66 films he kind of really embraced the role and knew that kids really looked up to him and he that's he really like cool. lived the part. It was that's really neat. It is. Boyd would eventually start a production company of his own, U.S. Television Office, to handle the legacy of Hopalong Cassidy, and as far as I can tell, this company continues to hold the full rights to the Cassidy name, trademark, films, and television material. So yeah, real interesting man. Uh, I, I just, I love it when people do that. He reminds me of the guy, I can't think of his name now, um, did the played the Lone Ranger, and then once they you know quit making the Lone Ranger, he would still kind of go around as the Lone Ranger, but the studio though he would you know they tried to assume he can't do the Lone Ranger, but so he'd still show up he'd just wear sunglasses you know but he was just always really nice and always happy with the kids and and just wouldn't do anything that would like besmirch the name of mm-hmm. the character it's just it's so much fun i don't know that there's actors like that nowadays
1: They're yeah they're, I mean the closest I've heard is is Natalie Portman talking about how she knows she's a role model for kids you just don't hear that kind of thing very often so it really stands out when you do
0: absolutely now real quick I wanted to mention a little about Philip Smalley who played the banker Hendrickson in the film he was a vaudeville actor who moved to film in 1911 and once there he directed and acted just well just directed nothing less than three hundred oh, wow. <laughs> and forty films between nineteen eleven and nineteen nineteen most of them were uh, like short subject or short films and then he also acted in about two hundred and fifty films uh, in that same from that period i think from actually he started out acting in nineteen ten excuse me and then he acted right up to the year of his death in nineteen thirty nine so wow very prolific uh actor and director it's kind of interesting to see him in kind of this uh fairly i guess what you would consider kind of a minor role Very, here yeah. <laughs> but i guess that's just what he did i mean that's probably that's how you get 250 acting credits is you just take whatever someone <laughs> gives you you know yes absolutely yeah just i don't have a lot of other information about him i just thought I, when i saw those numbers come up i'm like holy
3: cow yeah
0: <laughs> So I just definitely wanted to bring him up because I have a feeling that if, if we keep looking at some of these older films, uh, it, we'll probably see his name come up again.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: <laughs> but that's all the background and stuff I had on the film and the actors there within, unless you had anything else. Liddy? do you dig up anything in any research? Or?
1: I didn't. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you always have more knowledge than I do. Sometimes I go, oh, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> Well, thanks
0: to TCM and Wikipedia. That's where my knowledge comes from. (laughs) Now, before we start discussing the film, I just want to, because of the notes and because of the way the film, and if you look at the actual, some of the, even the credit of the film, when they give the actors uh, in the credits, they don't give them names. I think you have, you know, the driver, um, the boy, the the girl, the the kid, (laughs) and the banker. I think is how everybody is credited. So, I, But they do have names in the film. So just in case my notes jump around, I just wanted to kind of um, give, some, give, give a guide here. Uh, the driver is Gus, I believe. Um, the boy, or yeah, we'll call him the boy, <laughs> is uh, Bill. Uh, the young girl that you see in this film is just referred to as the kid. I actually don't know if she gets a name.
1: I don't think she ever does.
0: I don't think so. She's just the kid. Uh, Carol Lombard's character here is Billy. She's just kind of the uh, the girl, (laughs) (laughs) and the cop is a detective Egan or Captain Egan. I don't remember a detective or a captain, but he's the cop. And then yes, the banker is Hendrickson.
1: Hendrickson, yeah, and they call. I know they keep calling the cop Dan.
0: Yeah, I think it was Dan Egan. Yeah, but I don't remember if it was lieutenant or captain. It it might be somewhere in my notes. And it might be in my notes both ways. (laughs) I don't know. We'll find out. But anyway, just a little... A little kind of a little guide there in case my notes go a little crazy or if you actually you know look it up at IMDB or anything, I think IMDB I think actually does give the names and then mm-hmm. maybe like quote unquote the kid or yes. the the cop or whatever. But if you actually watch the film, I thought it was interesting that they don't actually get names in the credits. Yes. It's
1: very interesting.
0: Yeah. All right, so high voltage and from nineteen twenty nine. Film opens with a you know, lots of snow. Lots and lots of snow. Some snow-bound roads and a bus pulling into a station and man i don't want to hear anyone ever complain about public transportation these days <laughs> when you see the state of this bus and the it was, it was practically just a covered wagon with it an engine is.
1: <laughs> it is I, I love the doors on it and this has to be something that you know was real frequent back in the day but it's like the really old trains that you see on on shows and movies from the 1800s yeah. the early 1900s and they've all got individual doors that lead to the outside and this bus must have four or five doors on one side. I love it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, and then like you're you were kind of leaning toward the windows. You actually have to; they're just latched to the door, and you have to pull them up.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It looks like they're just canvas.
0: Yeah, they're just canvas, and probably some glass embedded in it. Yeah, can't be warm. I mean, this is a like no. cold winter day, <laughs> and like, oh man.
4: Hi, big. Well, I'm an Jones himself. No. Well, you didn't expect to see me through here today, did you? Well, a little snow won't stop this old cupboard wagon. Well, it's a wonder to me you ever got this far. Easy. How about a little gas? You don't really mean you're going to try to go on. Sure. Come on, fill up. Rush, you're taking an awful chance. There ain't been a freighter through here in three days. Freighter? Say, you don't know my butt. When I ran out of Duluth... Now, listen. They tell me there's are dressed up on the flat six and eight feet deep. Say, hey, this old snowflower mine go through them drips like they was paper. Come on, well, I reckon you know your own business.
0: Yep. Well, the passengers kind of climb out to stretch their legs. And we find out that one of the women among the passengers, Carol Lombard, as I said before, is some sort of criminal. And she's being escorted to the penitentiary by, I have it in my notes as a marshal, but I think he's just a, a detective or he's some sort detective, of cop. yeah. Yeah, I think he's just a detective. Despite the station attendants uh, continued disbelief at the driver continuing on, the driver insists that he and his bus can make it through the snow So the passengers he,
1: he repeats that many many times. Yes
0: well, you know when he when he was going out of Duluth, I love how they he never gets to finish the story. He
1: never does Spoilers
0: folks, he never gets to finish the Duluth story. Well the passengers pile back into the bus and the bus leaves. They appear to do pretty well. We get kind of a, a lot of shots of it plowing through the snow and uh, managing to get through some tough spots and everything. But
1: it, it's worth it's worth pointing out, this is the worst suspension I've seen on any vehicle. I mean, you they must have been bouncing around like crazy in the back of this thing.
0: Oh, yeah. I don't think there was suspension. <laughs> <laughs> Just, wheels bolted to the side, I think. <laughs> In the bus, the four passengers uh, go back and forth between each other, questioning the driver and a little idle chit chat. But eventually, the inevitable happens, and the bus gets stuck when a wheel finds a ditch under the snow
1: i do there I do like this little interaction you have between Billy and the kid. Which yeah, is, I never put that together. But Billy and the kid, huh. <laughs> <laughs> and in uh, the girl in the back offers you know Billy a, a piece of candy, and she just kind of gives her the cold shoulder and is like, "No, thanks." And then after a minute, she she rethinks it, you know, and she says, "If if I could change my mind," and they're just like they have this instant kind of like. Connection. I love it because you you have this idea that Billy is this real hardened kind of girl from the way that she's acting. You know, mm-hmm. when they say you better put that cigarette out or you're going to blow us all up while they're pumping gas, she says who cares? You know. Right. But as soon as she kind of connects with this girl, that you, you can tell that she's like ah, you know, this is just this nice kid. I'm going to be nice to her after all.
0: Yep. Well, and she also, I think she kind of sweetens to the kid when she finds out the girl's heading to Chicago to meet her fiancé. Meet up she's with her boy. Married. She's kind of like <laughs> yeah. blushing in the back. Yeah, you
4: know? yeah, he's nice.
1: And, it, and she's real cute. You got to admit, <laughs> yeah. the kid is real cute.
0: Yeah, she's adorable. And yeah, she's kind of sort of blushing in the back at the whole prospect <laughs> yeah. of it. And, and Billy's just like, oh, aren't you the oh. sweetest thing?
1: <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: They are stuck. Uh, Gus doesn't seem to take it terribly seriously. In fact, none of them really seem to take it terribly seriously, which is surprising because they're in the middle of nowhere. And they're like, and Gus is like, yep, well, here we are. Yep, we're stuck. Huh? Well, you know, I don't know what he was thinking that was going to happen.
1: <laughs> well, and it's kind of the charm of his character. He's like, oh, don't worry. Something will come up. Something will yeah. pop up. <laughs> there's, oh, something always comes up. And he's he just is... always so...
0: Optimistic? Positive. Yes, yes. optimistic. <laughs> yeah. Well they spot a, a building on her horizon. Looks like a they, they think it looks like a, a house or a church or something. So they decide that they're you know, because the next town is about forty miles away and this not place far. is only a couple <laughs> miles. Yeah, not far. Yeah. Uh, and whatever this building is is only a couple miles, they decide to go for it. And so they and- trudge off through the snow.
1: I have never been so cold watching a movie as in this scene.
0: You've got these
1: these ladies in their 1920s knee-length skirts and stockings, and girls, I know you know what I'm talking about, and they've got Mary Janes on with heels, and they're these little little high-heeled shoes with straps on them, and... It is, and you can tell they're sinking down into the snow. I don't mm-hmm. know how they filmed this, if they really took them out to two foot deep snow and had them trudge through it, but it looks just crazy cold. It's just miserable.
0: Yes, I have in here in my notes that I feel sorry for the women because the men are in boots and pants and the yeah. women in heels and stockings. And, and it's like, it's oh, it's not, not, it's not that far a <laughs> walk. Come on. And,
1: yeah, if you've ever worn stockings, like those things get wet and they just the air just bites right through them. It's miserable. I'm, oh. I'm cold right now talking about it. Yeah, this
0: was, this was not a studio set. No, they no. were out. I don't know where they went. I'm guessing they may have actually actually been in you know northern illinois or Nevada wisconsin or something yeah, yeah somewhere where the snow was deep because yes it was very cold
1: yeah so and the much wind for actors' blowing rights in those days
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> well they finally make it to this church and when they go inside they discovered a stove burning in the room nice and warm as they warm up by the stove a voice from uh, from a hidden person yells at them to shut the door a young man sits up from a front pew.
4: Shut the door. Shut the door. Did you say anything? There be somebody fire with me, Bud. Hey, hey, what the heck? What the? Hey, you. Shut the door, will you? Oh yes, pardon me. <laughs> I forgot to shut the door. Well, I didn't know this was Sunday. Why the congregation? Why we had an accident. The bus broke down and it was due to the carelessness of that. Well, you see, it was like this. We thought we could make it to North Fork to get the trade. This was pretty heavy, and we flung off the road. Well, here we are. How far did you get? Oh, a couple of miles out in the flats. Oh, just a couple of miles out in the flats, huh? Yep. Well, you had a pretty close call. And you ain't out of it yet.
0: Well, while the group gets acquainted a little, Hendrickson spots a bunch of canned food and helps himself to some sardines. The young man insists that he put it down, and when he doesn't, he actually smacks it out of his hand. Hendrickson gets a little blustery, and the young man tells him that he should just, that he's about as far from a cop as you can get, so pipe down. Because yeah, I think Hendrickson starts telling us, like, oh, you know, Cops. You can't you, do you that ruffian. to me. You Call the
1: cops on you. <laughs> yeah, you
0: you ruffians, the cops should run you guys or lock you up and yeah. Yeah, I think and the Hendrickson kind of decides that uh oh what oh who do you think you are? He's like, well, I'm the fifth vice president of so and so. But you're middle management. That's what you're telling yeah. me. <laughs> uh Detective Egan uh, takes the opportunity to show his badge after the crack about as you're about as far from a cop as you can get. He decides to show his badge, but the man, this young man, just kind of assumes that this thing's a fake.
1: <laughs> well, I love it too. I mean, I think I kind of read this as w- when Hendrickson says, "You know, oh, I'll pay you for the food," and he opens up his wallet, and Bill doesn't care. The young man doesn't care at all, and he says, "Your badge means as much as his money." Like mm-hmm. they're in the middle of nowhere, and they're yeah, talking it doesn't about mean a food. thing, right? He doesn't care. But you can't eat money, and you can't eat a badge, so he doesn't care.
0: Exactly. Yeah, Billy uh, kind of steps in, and she tries to test Bill a little bit and goes for a cracker. He says, oh, so you, I suppose you're going to stop me. He's like, eat it and, tr- and see. we'll see what happens. So she does, and he slaps it out of her hand. Well, that, she
1: smacks him. <laughs> yes,
0: and that gets him a slap in the face from Billy. And it was Gus that jumps in and tries to calm everyone down. And once everyone agrees to be civil, Bill explains, that, uh, explains the situation. What food they have is going to have to last for at least ten days, maybe more. They're going to have to ration until the storm passes, and then they can and they can get help.
1: I like this. It's going to last ten days or more, <laughs> and it's really <laughs> intense or more.
0: Yeah, you almost needed someone on that organ in the corner. Dun dun dun. <laughs> <laughs> well, Detective Egan asked to talk to Bill alone.
4: You seem to be a pretty wise guy. Just how serious is this? Pretty serious. And uh, you figure we're going to be here for a ten-day stretch. Well, I don't know just what stretch means, but we're going to be here for ten days or more. Oh, you don't know what stretch means. Never heard of it. Ah. local girl gets break. Ten days before I join the old folks at Auburn. What Auburn? Is there more than one... Oh, so you're the big, brave man that takes naughty little girls back to the pen, huh? Yep, I'm the boy, and I always get them. hmm I generally finish what I start out to do. Well, ain't that dandy? Uh. And I'm not surprised if I have to see you someplace before. Well, maybe you have. Who can tell? Maybe one of these days I'll be taking you home to Rome. Maybe you will. Maybe I will. Maybe. Maybe.
0: Maybe. The two of them trying to get the last word. (laughs) After the talk, Bill and Billy officially introduce themselves and immediately take a liking to each other. I do like their kind of introductions. You know, what's your name? (laughs) Billy. Billy what? That's enough for you. You What's your name? (laughs) Bill.
1: (laughs) Which makes me wonder, okay, is his name really Bill or is he
0: just
1: pulling it for she's a Billy?
0: Yeah, no, I don't think that's, I I don't think his name is is Bill at all. Some amount of time later, Hendrickson is uh, spit cleaning his collar and Gus tries to brighten everyone's mood with a song on the organ. Bill decides the group needs to keep busy and the kids suggest they go outside to get some air. So pretty much, Bill, that is, pretty much forces everyone to get up and do just that. I actually wondered, see if you got this impression, when Bill first goes in and starts talking to the ladies, do you get the feeling he was pretty much trying to get them to like get up and start organizing the place and clean oh, yeah. or something? He's yeah. like, you
1: guys are women. Why aren't you cleaning? <laughs> yeah. That was totally the attitude.
0: Yep. All right. I just wanted to maybe see if you got that, too. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that's
1: definitely... Not... He's like, you guys are so useless. Why aren't you cleaning this place? Dude, right. We're in a dusty old church, <laughs> seriously, and your reaction to the women is, "Why don't you clean?" Yes, <laughs> which you know, to be fair, in that timeline or in this time frame, is not really a shocking attitude.
0: No, it's not. But I, I just wondered because you know that's not where it ended up going. <laughs> no. But I was no. like, it, <laughs>
1: "That is seemed, definitely what he was saying." <laughs>
0: yep. All right. Well, the group goes outside and frolics in the snow and on a frozen lake. Bill and Billy play around on the ice and Egan hits Bill with a snowball and then tells <laughs> Bill to keep off of Billy. And too bad for the and, and it's too bad for the young kid, the girl, that all this testosterone that they're floating or <laughs> blown around seems to have melted some of the ice. <laughs> it snaps and she falls through. Gus tries to pull her out, but falls in as well bill manages to drag them out and they all run back to the church and the kid seems delirious from the cold that was kind of bizarre was it just she was so cold all she could do was laugh because all I, you, you know, keep her giggle
1: it sounded like it but i can't tell if that was just bad sound and she was like Ooh, or if she was like ah, like it's like there's this wh- Weird, kind of. It could be either one, mm-hmm. but yeah, there's definitely a lot of vocalization going on from the kid.
0: Yes. Later, everyone is thawing out, and the kid is uh, back by the stove. Bill starts uh, kind of laying on a laying on a little attention on her, and mm-hmm. offers to rub her hands and wrap up her feet. Yeah, how's how, how's your puppies? My 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 what? <laughs>
1: I don't have any puppies. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, Billy hears all this, and she asks to speak to Bill. What's the matter, Whitey?
4: You keep away from that kid, understand? What do you mean? You heard me? Keep away from that girl. She's a nice girl. Well, gee whiz, I didn't say she wasn't, did I? Never mind the darling You do what I tell you. Keep away from her. Well, but I was only... I something. saw what you were doing. You don't have to explain to me oh i see oh you do huh sure gladdy well you listen to what i told you well what are you getting all excited about didn't you just tell us down there on the lake that you wasn't nobody's name hmm? well well can a dame
1: change your mind i uh, it's funny because i i I took this as him being genuinely nice to her. Like, you know, Billy kind of jumps in and is like, wait a minute. But I was like, oh, he's being so sweet. Like, he's really taking care of her. because She's so
0: cold. I guess you could, you could see it either way. It's either him just being <laughs> really nice or it's him kind of flirting a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you could, I could see it either way. I think maybe I see it as flirting because I really don't know Bill. You know, mm-hmm. we don't know him other than yeah. the guy he's he's kind of been the tough guy. you don't know what he is he's he's definitely kind of laying down the law, so when he suddenly turns really sweet and nice to a to a young woman, yeah, you maybe think it's flirtation <laughs> well, late at night, Bill wakes up and checks on Billy and this gets the attention of egan Bill pulls the blanket down over her knees, which was yeah. very sweet. It mm-hmm.
1: is, but it's funny. I mean, they, they do this scene really well, I think, because he gets up in the middle of the night and he kind of sneaks over to where she's sleeping. And mm-hmm. her leg is all exposed and he reaches for the blanket and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then he pulls it down to like cover her legs. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. okay. He really, he's not like a nasty guy. <laughs> yeah.
0: And when he notices Egan, he, he looks to him and says, Don't these dames wear the shortest skirts?
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to wake you up, too. Sorry. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, Egan pulls Bill aside again and again tells him to keep his hands off of Billy. Hey, brother. Yeah?
4: I'd like to have a word with you. All right. Yep. Dames definitely wear them short nowadays. But who elected you the job of pulling them down? I'd do my own election, buddy. <laughs> I want you to keep your dirty hands off that girl. Yeah? Yeah. And I'm thinking that if she needs a nurse too, <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm the fella, see? Mm-hmm. And she's my prisoner. Until I get a receipt for her. Ain't you a fine excuse for a man. Mr. Egan the Bull. Mr. Egan will have his name in the papers, huh? You lousy heard you. He brought back a notorious bandit. Mr. Egan always gets his girl. Hey, you ever try bringing a man back? Hey, listen. If it wasn't for those two dames Been asleep there... I'd mop up the floor with you so fast. And you're taking her back for another year in that pen, huh? Maybe two for jailbreaking. Mr. Egan, the bloodhound. Ain't he proud of himself? Go ahead, fella. Rub it in. Rub it in good. Just a copper who's stuck on his prisoner, huh? Now, listen, boy, there's two of us now. I'll drill a hole through you if you lay your hands on that kid. Well, now, maybe she'll have something to say about that. Maybe she will. Well, now, we know where we stand on that, don't we? (laughs) I guess we do. And you're a long ways from having that kid back in that pen, Mr. Egan. And maybe by the time we'll get out of here, I'm not so sure that I won't be taking you both back. Get that? (laughs) Listen, we're just as close to the pen now as we're ever going to be. Do you get that? Maybe. And this time, I don't mean maybe.
0: Honestly, at this point, you know... You you do start thinking Bill is actually the nicer guy between the two. Mm-hmm. You expect Egan is supposed to be the cop, supposed to be the upstanding one, but after especially after this, after seeing Bill get up, checking on her, making sure she's covered,
1: and making the point that that the detective is known for going and getting women back that have escaped. Mm, yes, and you're kind of like, oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, huh,
0: <laughs> yeah. So maybe maybe the Egan isn't quite the guy that we. You know, might have thought he was right. Well, it has been several days now. The food is running low, and even more disastrous, so are the cigarettes. Yeah. (laughs) In fact, they're all they're all puffing off the last little the last little drags of like old cigarettes, trying to get their fix. (laughs) It's a little disturbing. (laughs) Uh, Billy suddenly yells for everyone to be quiet. You hear something outside. A plane. You're hearing
1: things again.
0: Yeah. (laughs) A plane is flying overhead. Everyone runs outside to try to get the pilot's attention, but it's too high in the sky. So the food is about gone, or is gone, and what they can burn is becoming more and more scarce, as is the hopes of a rescue. But that doesn't stop a romance from blooming between Bill and Billy. They do this kind of an interesting way. Everyone's kind of taking their turns singing to the you know, with someone playing the organ, everyone takes in their turn singing. So it's Egan's turn, and of course he has this operatic, beautiful voice.
1: He really and- does. I that kind of surprised me because through this whole thing, like you know, he's the cop and he's got this kind of hard edge, and uh, and he gets up to sing and it's just this really beautiful beautiful tenor he really obviously is a very good singer even though the sound quality is a little bit rough like Mm -hmm. he really has a a very good voice and it's this kind of tragic like you know it's a love song is what he's singing it's just yes it's a a moment it's really interesting in this movie
0: yes i at first thought maybe he wasn't he was just mouthing and miming because you see him from the back. You don't yes. see him singing, but he does end the song and it looks like it's actually him singing mm-hmm. and you see his face doing the last few notes. So maybe maybe he didn't sing the whole thing, I guess, on set and maybe they they recorded it in or you know, dubbed it in afterwards. Um, but yeah, it may have been actually him I'm not sure
1: He he is known as being a talented singer Which is something that I actually had to oh, look okay. up But he was known for being a good singer So it's so interesting That he's going through this whole thing It just, it, it just doesn't It does mesh with his character But kind of in a secretive way Like he's this okay. person that you really don't understand I think right. Maybe I'm reading too much into it But I think the point of it was to kind of surprise you With the fact that this is his voice
0: And you mentioned the sound quality. I do wish the sound quality was a little bit better, because I had a hard time actually understanding some, you know, the lyrics of the song he was singing, because I have a feeling that they were very poignant to what was kind of going on between Bill and Billy. Yes. Because they, Billy's in the other room, or is Bill in the other room?
1: Billy is, and Bill goes to check on her, I think.
0: Right. And he sits down, and she just leans against him, and then leans in a little closer, and he puts his arm around her and they just almost have a a lifetime of a relationship in those few minutes.
1: They, they really do. It's oops, sorry, I bumped my microphone, Uh, but they really do. It's kind of one of the more intimate moments. I think of in any movie that we've watched Uh, In all of the movies we've reviewed of all of them. This is probably in the top three most intimate moments between you know, two romantically involved characters, and it's worth mentioning nothing happens. No, but it's no, not at all their attitude toward each other, and it's just so intense. It's
0: no, it's all played with the emotions on their face, and, and it's completely
1: and, silent. They don't mm-hmm. say anything to each other, but they, and Billy just exactly
0: sort of right. uh, Billy sort of just clasps Bill a little harder. You know, grabs his chest, and it, and, and they go through this sort of uh, kind of relinquishing themselves to the fact that they are attracted to each other and then they have a it's like they're realizing that oh my gosh they're in love but it's this tragic circumstance yes. of their situation and they're it's st- all there down. yeah
1: and it's it's interesting when Bill first comes into this space, she's sitting on the floor and there's a window overhead, but the space is completely empty and it feels and it looks like a prison cell. And it really mm-hmm. kind of refers back to her being on her way to, like you say, she's going to Auburn. And he says, what Auburn? And she says, is there more than one? You know, he, she knows she's being taken back to prison. It all kind of harkens back to that and just the whole point that there's there's no food. There's not really any hope of getting out of there, and they are, in a way, already in prison. Right. It's 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 really a weirdly brilliant moment in this, yes. this movie between the music and the way that it's shot, and then their interactions together. It's probably an entire film right in within itself in like two minutes.
0: I would go. I mean, without kind of rushing to the end, I think this is kind of a highlight. Of the film, honestly Just it's those few one minutes one of them for
1: sure, yeah. absolutely
0: Well the romance here that we see uh, Brings out some true honesty Between the two of them And Bill tells Billy that he himself Is a wanted man as well So I think he, he's wanted in St. Paul We don't know what for But he's on the lamb. And actually Believe it or not Lydia We're at the 46 minute mark
1: yeah, and this is only a sixty-three-minute movie.
0: Yes, there is only fifteen, sixteen minutes left, so that's where I am going to stop the synopsis because I don't want to spoil anything that comes after this. If anyone wants to go ahead and watch this film, um, and there is plenty to still happen. The last fifteen minutes mm-hmm. is 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 packed with some pretty interesting stuff. Hmm. But um, but yeah, I mean, I have to admit though, this film. I watching it the second time, I appreciated it a little bit more than I did in the first time. And mm-hmm. this that isn't the first time this has happened. I, oh I, no, I, I've said this before. <laughs> um, but there was some of the things that when I watched it the first time, I felt were clunky or weird, or why why did they write it like this? And the second time, I kind of kind of caught on. I was like, okay, this is their this was their attempt at a little bit of humor, or this because mm-hmm. when they. Um, when Egan and Bill go back and forth with each other with their maybes. I mean, it was mm-hmm. really about them trying, each one trying to get the last word mm-hmm. pretty much on the other. And so, it a, and, but it's also a little bit of comedy mm-hmm. um, and that sort of thing. And so I picked up a little bit on that the second viewing.
1: Yes. Well, and definitely, I think, you know, as we were talking about him being nice to the kid, I was kind of thinking about it, and that is probably more my second impression of him because I had already seen the scene with him and with Billy. And so I kind of – the second time I was watching it, I already had this idea that he was really interested in her. So Mm -hmm. I read his interactions with the kid more as being like a nice guy trying to – really trying to take care of her like a big brother kind of. Right. Instead of like a creepy dude you know hitting (laughs) on a girl that is really too young for him.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, they do a nice job in a couple places in the film at giving you the impression that he is a good guy uh maybe obviously he's wanted by the law so he's done something wrong mm-hmm. but he's still a good guy and you kind of get that you get that feeling from Billy too
1: Yes. Yeah. And even in the beginning when he's first, you know, knocking food out of people's hands, you're like, oh, oh, what a selfish guy. But then he starts explaining it. And mm-hmm. it, I think uh, Egan even says at one point, oh, let him finish. And he says, you know, this is this is all we've got. We have to ration yeah. it. You know, he's not just being selfish with his food. He's saying, look, we have to be careful or we're all going to starve to death in this place. So, you know, even from the very beginning, I think you're right. They do kind of show him as being not just a, a straight bad guy. All, uh, I, not all the characters, but these three characters, the three main characters, I think are more complex than you realize they are when you first watch it.
0: Mm-hmm. I really picked up um, when he gets up at the middle of the night and checks on Billy, and then mm-hmm. Egan gets up. Mm-hmm. And when he turns around, and, even, and the way he says it, like, oh, I didn't mean to wake you up, too. I mean, mm-hmm. the way he says it is like, Genuine, genuine like, oh, I'm I'm sorry. I didn't really did and that's where I thought and then Egan just goes total ass on him. Like, <laughs> well, I told you once before, I'm like, dude, hey, I said I'm okay. oh, sorry. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well and it's funny, I think that's kind of again where we see that that bill's attitude toward billy is one of caring and he's genuinely it doesn't occur to him that anybody would think he's doing anything wrong because he's just going to check on her and cover her back up you know (laughs) and so he I, i think you know you see this kind of innocence from him or this kind of genuineness that he's not putting on airs everything that he says is really geared toward keeping people alive or taking care of them or warming them back up after they've fallen through the ice. And you kind of, even though we later find out he's wanted by the police, you don't see any real avarice or you don't see any, you know, skeeziness to him. He just seems pretty direct and and open. Whereas... Yeah, I mean,
0: he... He turned down whatever money is in Hendrickson's wallet. Yes, I mean, it, it's, it's <laughs> he
1: not important. He could have, you know, scammed him out of it and then still not right. get a food. But then with Egan kinda as you go through, you already know that he's a police officer, but as you you are led by Bill to question Egan's motives. So what are mm-hmm. you? You're, in, you're interested in Billy? Oh, I see how it is. You know, you chase down the girls and you know, then then what? You know
0: Yeah, see that's something that I think the first time I didn't really pick up on or maybe it was just something that sort of just pinged me in the back of the head and then on the second view and it was kinda of like, Oh yeah, Egan's what's his motivation mm-hmm. with Billy? I mean, he really did he think that he and Billy were gonna be an item? Well, was there And he anything? can't
1: have. He's taken her back to prison.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. So I don't it was like what's going on with Egan. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so you watch it and then listening to you talking and you're like, okay is he like the creeper cop you know, is he hoping does he take the women back and like maybe promise them I'll oh, you know I'll make sure they go easy on you yeah. if you uh you know
1: we'll call it yeah. go on a date with me
0: yeah
1: <laughs> yeah and it, it's it's funny because I hadn't thought about it in that depth until, until we were talking about it I definitely kind of mm-hmm. was like well wait if he if he really likes her then why is he I mean yeah he's still taking her back to prison but obviously he hasn't said he likes her so yeah it's it, it, it becomes questionable at some point.
0: Yes. yeah, I think you could read a little bit into them. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. I think that's what's kind of fun with the, the main, like you said, the main three characters here is you can read a lot into them. Yes. Whether or not that was meant to be there or not, mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, the only people that know are the people that made this film and mm-hmm. are unfortunately long, long since past. Mm-hmm. But uh, you, could, you could put a lot onto these characters and, and get – pretty much anything you want out of them
1: <laughs> well and it is it's very character driven story you have essentially six people in a room and that's where all the story takes place pretty much is in one room mm-hmm. and so it has to be very character driven and honestly about four of the characters well three of the characters are not all that important to the storyline
0: no uh, gus practically i mean he might as well have disappeared mm-hmm. after about maybe the first Thirty minutes of the film, mm-hmm. and he even need to be there. Yeah. yeah, they don't. Neither one. I. They could. They could walk outside and disappear, and, and the story it wouldn't change mm-hmm. at all. Exactly. Except you wouldn't have uh, Gus singing songs about <laughs> uh, banquets and food. Why everyone <laughs> is starving? And home sweet
1: home <laughs> while they're stuck in a cabin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Gus.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Jerk. So overall, though. I mean, we gotta we gotta kind of put a number on it, I guess. <laughs> um, there is a lot about this film I like. There are moments of the film that I really like. Mm-hmm. There's some characters that I really like. But overall, though, and just because of maybe because of the time the film was made or something, is maybe it just feels. A little too clunky, or like I know what they were trying to do, but they didn't quite get there for me. It felt rushed so in certain places. It, it might have felt rushed, or kind of like, oh, this scene's going away. Why did it just go black? You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, why didn't you let that go a little longer? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and there's um, a little bit of acting too. It, it's it's such a weird. Mm. Contrast, because there are moments where the acting is so intense, and it's yes. you can tell these are people that came from silent film because they're very yes. good at emotion. But then yes, when they're speaking, the lines fall flat. Not yeah. all the time, but definitely in a couple of really poignant moments. Oh, in there's a couple of times.
0: There's a couple times during the film where it just jumps out that these people are you know playing to the back of the room. Yes. Even Carol Lombard at times. Just yes,
1: her especially.
0: Yeah, but there was – and then we were talking about Falling Flat. There was one line from the kid. She comes in and, please, can't I just get something to eat?
1: (laughs) Will you guys stop fighting and find me food? (laughs) Yes, it's
0: it's so dry. It's such a dry – it's like, did she not know the cameras were rolling? Right. (laughs) This is just the dress rehearsal. (laughs) Yeah, But, yeah, there are a couple times where Carol Lombard is – a little overacting yes, at times, exactly. and over a little overly dramatic with her her the way she moves and the way she speaks. Yes.
1: yes, yeah. So there, it's a bit rough. the The sound quality, I think, is just a product of the time. Yes. But then there is there are some effects like I think you started to mention it, uh, like the wind blowing, where it's yes. somebody going shh. <laughs> I mean, really, that's the sound of the wind. Is it's, it's yeah. like the old Rudolph claymations and the sound of the wind. It's exactly yeah, it's the same. The whistling. It's just a yes. whistle somewhere.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. No. As far as you know, technical achievement. If you want to talk about how it was filmed, I mean, they are in the middle. There are times where they are out in the snow. Mm-hmm and they're walking and trudging through the snow and then they they have dialogue but you can tell that it's just it's, laid in on top.
1: Yes, cuz they were like, and "Oh, I'm, they're just walking and there's no sound. We probably should put yeah, something over." I oh, somebody makes some wind I noise.
0: <whistles> <Yeah. laughs> I don't think I can go on. Oh, come on, oh, you know. it's so cold. It, it, <laughs> yeah, it it works really well. And then, of course, I I, th- I do believe the uh, when they're frolicking kind of on the on the lake, that's all studio bound. Yes, that's a, less know,
1: noticeable, sec- but still very well, very
0: yes. obvious. yep Yeah. Um, so I mean, some really good technical achievements. I'm always kind of impressed when you're this early in in filmmaking that they kind of already know how to or know that someone someone thought of the, how to pull this kind of stuff off. Mm-hmm. I guess by now, I mean through all the silent era. The, Well, obviously, they didn't have to go through trying to lay over sound. But as far as effects or trying to do studio versus match studio to location, I'm Mm -hmm. sure that had kind of already been ironed out a lot and experimented with through the silent era. Well,
1: that's funny because I hadn't actually thought about it. But you're exactly right. Because when they go out to kind of play in the snow and the whole – obviously, they're not going to drop her into – a frozen lake water <laughs> right so uh, it's it's interesting though i in in my mind i hadn't made the distinction so that is actually quite an achievement
0: yeah and i couldn't figure out whether the actual uh front of the cabin i, I think it must have been studio but i think they be. must have actually been shoveling in real snow i
1: have no idea <laughs> well it's i do know they were throwing very snow, real but... <laughs> and
0: well because they, every time they open the door, they step outside. And then as the time goes, there's more and more snow outside that door.
1: Oh, I hadn't noticed that. Interesting. Yeah, the
0: actual door gets, the, or the snow actually gets a little higher on the outside oh. of the, of the building. So I'm like, it's interesting, but it looks like real snow. If it's not real snow, uh, it's, they had something really good. Probably some of that <laughs> stuff that gave them all cancer. Yeah, you oh, know. gosh. <laughs> yeah, as far as me putting a number on it. I can't really recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because of a few moments that I think are worth watching, I, I would come in at a two. Mm-hmm. I just, I really, it's not a bad movie. It's, it's just not good. And I just, <laughs> I, that, I know that's, that's not I don't a review. Hate it. That's I just not don't a like rating. <laughs> yeah, I know that's not a rating. That's not a review. That's not how you're supposed to do this. But. I can't really think of a better way to describe it. It's just, like I said, I just feel like it's, it's early in the sound era. Mm -hmm. And I, I think this film done a few years later, maybe would have come across better. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. I, I can totally see that. I think I'm right there with you on, on rating it as a two, because as you said, there are moments in it that are, it's worth watching the movie for those moments. I think, um, the, speci- specifically the one with Bill and Billy, it's kind of brilliantly done, but uh-huh. it is one gemstone in a pile of rubble. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> There's, there, uh, the end of it feels rushed, um, you know, and it, it's kind of, they're, they're, the whole end of it, the whole last 15 minutes feels very rushed. Mm -hmm. And the dialogue doesn't stand out as being exceptional. There are other movies during this era that the dialogue is brilliant and sparkling and really good. The characters themselves, I think the reason that we're so intrigued by them is because the actors are that level of good. I think that you've got um, Bill Billy and Egan are played by very good actors. And if they had been played by bad actors, we would have given this movie a 1. In a heartbeat. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> and yes. so there uh, there is some value in it. It's if you enjoy early film, I would recommend it, but I would say don't expect a lot out of it.
0: Right. So, so I think we both agree. It's kind of like they get an A for effort, yeah. and Maybe a, a C for a C for execution, or,
1: or maybe they get an A for dumb luck, genius, and a <laughs> D for ingenuity and you know a storyline.
0: Yes. <laughs> Where I really wondered because it was so early in in talkie is that maybe the 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 art of script writing just hadn't really been honed mm-hmm. yet because that's the impression I got there were some scenes where it's kind of like did they just not know how to end it, and they just told the actors to just just say something or just stare well, I, you know? <laughs> and it's
1: funny it's not the end of it feels written. But it almost feels like they have a moment in there, and I think you'll know which one I mean, where they're like, oh, we have to go from this point to this point, and we haven't written a scene for it. Well, quick, Mm-mm. just throw something together, and we'll just have them say this in front of a still area. They won't actually move at all. They'll just say these lines real quick, and then we'll be done. Right. And uh,
0: and then fade the black.
1: and the, Well, yeah. and, then, and then move on <laughs> to the actual ending that we actually wrote, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and then yeah. just fade black. Yeah.
0: Right. Well, okay. I'm glad we're kind of on the same, you know, on the same page on this one. I was, I was curious, especially when we sit down and talk. And I think it happens to both of us. We both sound like we like a lot more things, <laughs> and we like it overall a little bit more. And I'm thinking, God, is Lydia going to come in high on this one?
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I want, I really wanted to like it, and there yeah. are some moments in it that genuinely, I'll probably go back and watch those moments again, just because now I'm curious too. Okay, so are we overrating it? But I, mm. I don't think so. The second time I watched it, you know, especially that one scene we talked about really jumped out but it is it is not it's not even a three on if you have one movie to watch and you're you know that's it for the rest of your life this is not the one
0: (laughs) and if anyone can really figure out why it's kind of called high voltage why
1: is it called high (laughs) voltage it has nothing to do there is no electricity in the entire movie (laughs) and i know that's being a little too literal i I know it probably has to do with the interactions between the people but then why
0: (laughs) there's no no.
1: reason i think i genuinely think they were like what title can we put on this movie to make people want to come see it
0: yeah. And that yeah. was what
1: they came in. Hey, brilliant title, but nothing yeah. to do with the film.
0: The, the the highest voltage was the actual title of the film yeah. during the credit that they were very proud of. The you could tell the, an, the animated high voltage yes. lights. And yeah. there's nothing
1: else. There's literally, literally, there is no other electricity in the entire movie.
0: I think <laughs> that would have been a better title if the characters, if they were written, if they were literally at each other's throat yes. throughout this thing. Yes. You know, you really got the impression. Okay, this is about like 12 it. Twelve Angry
4: this
1: Men. Is, <laughs> Yes,
0: exactly. High Voltage would work for 12 Angry Men
1: <laughs> But I mean, what is would a you, title. What would you title this movie, though? What would you call it? Because High Voltage doesn't work at all.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, Frozen Passion. No, that, <laughs> that sounds like uh, a romance novel. I love it. The, Frozen that's the, that's the Passion. R- that goes the wrong way. Their love was stuck uh, in a cabin. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Something with ice or, you know,
1: or, you know, last chances or, you know, cousin, oh, yeah there you go, you know, yeah. or frozen bars, although that sounds like a nice drink, but you, know. <laughs> you guys want to go to frozen bars after this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's not, I, I can see where they struggled, but at the same time, I think it was a marketing ploy.
0: Uh, yeah, I think absolutely. <laughs> they, they, the when they get people in, the, in the seats. All right, well, I guess, do you have anything else you want to say about High Voltage, the most poorly <laughs> named film we've watched?
1: <laughs> if we, if I come up with a title, I'll put it on Facebook. Okay, guys?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, if anyone else can think of a better oh, title yeah, for this us. film, please share. W- write
1: in, call in, tell us. <laughs>
0: yes. And if you wanted to do that, the Facebook group is actually a fantastic place to do it. You can also send an email to orphanedentertainment at com. Uh, write or yeah, type or or record whichever you like. We'd uh, be it'd be awesome to hear from you and let us know if you've watched the film and what you thought of it. And you know, are we wrong? Should we have rated it higher? <laughs> are we rating it too high? You know, what's what's your thought on the matter? I think uh, I think that's going to do it, Lydia. Do you realize that? Yes, next episode is going to mark the end of our sixth that year of Orphan Entertainment. How
1: did, uh, how? <laughs> I'm so I pleased. I think this is lo- this is the longest relationship I've ever had with a man. <laughs> 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 Don't let your wife listen. No, but seriously, that's it's crazy that it's been six years. I love that it's been that long. I'm really proud of that, too, so I, thank I you guys am for listening. I, that makes abs- it totally worth it.
0: Absolutely. I, I had no idea when I had this Crazy idea! Oh, there's all these public domain films. We yeah. should do a podcast. We should talk
1: who wants that?
0: Yeah, who wants to do a podcast? Oh, and Lydia says I will. Heck yeah. All right, fine. Let's give it a shot. You know, once a month, whatever. Yeah, that's once crazy. a month. Well, that's going to work out to 72 that episodes here amazing. soon. That's
1: this so is crazy. episode
0: 71.
1: Wow. that's awesome. I'm almost yeah, 71. No. no, I'm
2: kidding.
1: <laughs> Not quite, <laughs> but yeah. no, it's been, it has been a roller coaster and no, that's not a sign off statement. I'm looking forward to the next six years with you, Christopher.
0: Oh, I will keep doing this as long as we can dig up films, as long as we have fun doing it. I know, especially here recently, we both kind of had, especially me have had a hard time kind of. Yeah, I shouldn't speak for you. I have had a hard time. I've had a hard time kind of motivating myself sometimes to actually watch the film and take the notes and do what I need to do. And I, I but I think that's just that comes with after six years. I mean, there's yeah. <laughs> and well, there's and, so much else going on, yeah. you know, in life and whatever. Life
1: jumps in, but again, something to be super proud of that we've stuck at it, and hopefully we'll yeah. keep going.
0: Yes, because there are still many, many films. So and many I know films. <laughs> and we, we haven't, the last couple have been mediocre, you know, um, but I, I still think there's got to be, there's going to be some film that no one's ever heard of. We're going to watch and we're just going to be like, oh my gosh, well, you know, it's out there. And
1: do you know what we've got for next month? No. The, you're <laughs> going to have to come back and find out then. Yes. <laughs> And Christopher goes, what? How do you know? And I don't.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, we will be back next month for our 72nd episode, the end of our sixth year and the beginning of our seventh year. Because we have uh, no... We have no plans on stopping. Not yet. No, we'll just keep on going as long as Lydia will sit down with me. We'll we'll keep going.
1: We'll be in our eighties. People will be like, I can't believe these people are still talking about these things.
0: Well, we're, we're waiting because in another, what is it? Isn't it, 2020 a bunch of films finally fall into public domain for the first time and who knows when So
1: that's just four more years to keep going we can do that that's right that's less than how long we've been going
0: (laughs) exactly we're more than halfway there
1: yes
0: (laughs) yeah so that is going to do it lydia thank you very much
1: thank you christopher i always have fun
0: Thank everyone thank you everyone who have who's listened and I uh, hope you keep on listening we'll talk to you in another month bye everybody
1: bye